4: Who's to blame? They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and I am The Alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we're discussing Penn State's Jerry Sandusky scandal. As with most of our episodes, the content of this one is particularly disturbing, so please be advised. Here's what you need to know. In the fall of 2011, Penn State University was entering its 125th season of college football. Known as the Nittany Lions... The Big Ten football team was a fixture in campus culture and throughout Pennsylvania. The small town, quaintly named State College, was a population of 40,000, but during Penn State home football games, that number skyrockets up to 230,000, making it temporarily the third largest city in the state. Since 1966, the football team had won numerous championships under the direction of legendary head coach Joe Paterno, So when Paterno was abruptly fired with 409 wins under his belt in his 46th season of football, Penn State students took to the streets. But Joe Paterno was only one piece of the puzzle.
0: This weekend, former Penn State defensive coordinator Jerry Sandusky was charged with sexually abusing eight young boys. He saw
3: Sandusky in the shower doing something inappropriate with a young boy. It was boy. the
1: activity in those football locker rooms that are particularly disturbing.
2: Horrific accounts of a Sandusky basement of horrors. The latest alleged victim says Sandusky's wife was upstairs as he cried He's for help. He's
3: currently serving 30 to 60 years in prison for 45 counts of child sex abuse dating back to the 90s. If convicted, Sandusky could get life behind
2: bars. Legendary
1: head coach Joe Paterno knew about an allegation against Sandusky as far back as 40 years ago.
4: Jerry Sandusky, one of Paterno's assistant coaches from 1969 to 1999, had just been arrested and charged with 52 counts of sexual abuse of young boys. And there was evidence that Penn State football officials, including Happy Valley's beloved Joe Paterno, had ignored or covered up Sandusky's behavior For decades. After playing for Penn State football as an undergraduate, Jerry Sandusky returned to the university and became Joe Paterno's assistant coach in 1969. In 1977, Sandusky founded a charity called The Second Mile, a nonprofit organization for underprivileged youth, providing help for at risk children whose parents struggled to support them. Over the years, his house became a second home for dozens of children from the charity, and it was common that the kids stayed for meals, played games, showered, and even slept over with only Jerry's supervision. For many of the boys who came from broken homes with few resources, adults told them they were lucky to receive the attention and care from Jerry Sandusky. However, the charity was simply a tool to lure vulnerable children into his home. According to one victim, Sandusky play-wrestled with him until abruptly forcing him to perform oral sex. Another victim would later testify, Jerry took him to many Penn State games and bought him gifts, while at the same time raping him dozens of times in the home's soundproof basement. In 1998, the mother of an 11-year-old boy involved with the second mile called police stating that her son had been inappropriately hugged by Sandusky, while showering in one of Penn State's locker rooms. An investigation determined that there was no concrete evidence of sexual assault, and Sandusky only needed to be taught boundaries. Although the school was notified, the case was never added to the crime log. Sandusky retired from Penn State a year after the incident and he was given a handsome compensation package and a designation of emeritus rank that carried special privileges, including access to the university's recreational facilities. In the fall of 2000, a janitor witnessed Sandusky with a boy in the same locker room showers. After speaking with the senior janitor, he decided not to report the incident. In 2001, assistant coach Mike McQueary walked into the locker room to find the same disturbing act. The following day, he met with Joe Paterno and described what he witnessed. Penn State officials internally discussed and chose not to report the incident or attempt to find out the identity of the boy. Years passed until Sandusky announced he was quitting his volunteer position with Central Mountain High School in 2009. That same year, a mother reported the sexual abuse of her son by Sandusky. The police were notified and finally, a pattern of abuse began to be acknowledged. An investigation was once again launched. Sandusky retired from day-to-day involvement with the second mile by September 2010. And over a year later, after decades of abuse, Jerry Sandusky was arrested. Fun Facts, aka Death Stats. Eight men testified at Sandusky's June 2012 trial that he sexually molested them as minors and prosecutors ...ultimately presented evidence relating to 10 victims. Sandusky was convicted on 45 of 48 counts of child sexual abuse. Paterno died of lung cancer in January 2012... ...74 days after Penn State fired him for his role in Sandusky's crimes. He was 85. Following an investigation, the NCAA cut Penn State scholarships... ...placed a four-year ban on bowl games issued a $60 million fine and voided every football victory since 1998, including 111 wins at the hands of its former coach, Joe Paterno. In January 2015, the NCAA agreed to spend the money in Pennsylvania and reduced other sanctions, including restoring Paterno's win total to 409. Since 2012, Penn State has paid more than $109 million to more than 30 men who have come forward claiming to be Sandusky victims, and some of their claims suggest Paterno ignored victims as far back as the 1970s, and that others at Penn State ignored victims in the 1980s and 90s. The credibility of these claims is highly disputed in Happy Valley. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. Fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. Hi. And our very special guest today is friend, actor, Charlie Hewson. Hi, Charlie.
1: Hi. Hi, Rebecca. I'm so mad.
4: <laughs> yes.
1: Charlie's mad.
4: We're, we're, we're all mad yes. for sure. And we're also very excited to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us.
1: Oh, I'm so happy to be here. I've been listening to the show for years. My favorite <laughs> was The Donner Party. I, I listened to it mm. on, a, on a 10K. This dates it. This is pre-pandemic wow.
2: 10K. Wow, that was my first episode. That was really. Mm -hmm. Wait, were you a a guest
3: on that episode, Clayton? Clayton was a guest. That's That's right. Gotcha. Gotcha.
2: gotcha. It's a classic.
1: I didn't. I didn't even mean to do that. (laughs) A
2: compliment. (laughs) Yeah, right, Charlie. We know you
1: did your homework.
4: (laughs) This was pre-fact checker even. That's so. true. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's how long ago that was.
3: Thank God I'm here, and now it's think facts can be checked.
4: Mm. <laughs>
3: you yeah.
1: mean, Chris
4: is the fact checker. Yeah. yeah. Why <laughs> that Did you not off? know? Yeah. Did you just find out? <laughs>
1: <laughs> like I said, it's been so, a while. I have. Speaking yeah. of pre-pandemic, I haven't listened to a podcast since my baby has been alive, oh, which is two yeah. years. Sure. She had her wow. second birthday a couple of days ago. Oh, congrats! congrats. Happy birthday! Yeah, she's her. a good girl.
4: Um. Now, Charlie. Uh. Tell our listeners about your uh, – we were just talking about your TikTok handle, uh, oh. your TikToks and your Instagrams. And you
3: also said you had a couple cryptic uh,
4: – Projects you can't projects talk you about. Projects you can't
2: talk about oh, that you want yeah, to talk so about Don't anyway. talk about them,
4: but, <laughs> yes. but talk I'm, about them.
1: Well, I'm a professional actor, and I like <laughs> singing songs and playing guitar and, and banjo and stuff, so I have um, – my Instagram is pretty much dedicated. It looks very um, – uh kind of solipsistic narcissistic uh it's only very cool it's only my face it's like
2: <laughs> <laughs> you look really cool and unapproachable
1: <laughs> <laughs> wait unapproachable. is that true are you
2: really no of course you- no i'm intimidated by your talent Is what i'm watching i'm so like
1: nice. nice. yeah oh, oh that's so nice thank you <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I play I play songs and sometimes I do silly uh, like Shakespearean monologues when I feel like it. But my handle is Gnarly Houston. It's my name, but G N A at the beginning. Gnarly, uh, both I love on it. TikTok and Instagram.
4: So Charlie, we'd like to start off the show by asking our guest, what is something that's recently alarming you? What is something that's keeping you up at night?
1: Oh, oh wow, so many things. Uh, yeah, being a parent. Um, Changes one's uh, nervous constitution considerably. <laughs> <laughs> I've never. Yeah. I was. I've always been very. Um, I think it's one of the reasons that uh, uh, I was drawn to acting and, and music and stuff is that I really love being present and I'm naturally present in the moment. You know, and I have. Uh, you know, for better or for worse, my wife uh, sometimes wishes I had a little bit more foresight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh <laughs> you know the the kid demands it you know you have to you have to start looking down the road when you have when you have a two-year-old and the road that we're on is uh it's a dark road potentially oh, you boy. know if we're not really really careful so that yeah I mean the world can I answer the world yeah. uh yeah. and you know I see I'm also I as a father I I have a, a kind of like I, I demand an optimism from myself you know uh, I think uh, you really like it. You know, it makes me emotional to think about. But like, you know, if I'm not if I'm not showing my kid that life is worth living and life is beautiful despite the mm. horrors, um, you know, I'm not doing my job. Wow. Um. So all order, but that's hard. Yeah, it's hard. And you know, and mm. and we're and we're. I think my my wife and I are both very forgiving. Uh, you know, of of ourselves when we're when we kind of slip down a rabbit hole of doom. You know, but. <laughs> But so, would you, you're in good company would, here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with the rabbit holes. This is how we live.
2: <laughs> so it's
3: generally the speaking the future.
2: That's is what, that was that, that what, what is what alarming you?
1: Oh yeah, the f- yeah the future, the future. I mean, I honestly, like... the the present, the way the way that the world is now, <laughs> the present you know, th- and
2: the future. <laughs> yeah, what's scary,
1: What's scary about the future is that it doesn't look like we're capable of learning any of the very obvious lessons. And right. you know, sure. today's subject is is uh, I hope one of the lessons that we can actually learn mm-hmm. and change our systemic kind of like approach. To, yeah. to so many, I mean, we have a lot to talk about, but like, man, it's such a deep systemic kind of problem that goes into like all corners, you know, mm-hmm. Of, mm-hmm. of of our culture.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. I keep thinking about just like, what is our responsibility in society, right? Yeah. If if we're not taking care of each other, then what are we doing here?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. um.
4: So why don't we just jump right in? Yeah, let's yeah. go.
1: Let's go. And let's get at it.
4: Let's get at it. And I do want to start off by putting Jerry Sandusky up on the board. Please. Mm-hmm. This is according to Penn Live News. The indictment alleges that former Penn State coach Jerry Sandusky. Used the Second Mile, the charity he founded in 1977, to get access to and molest boys, quote, many of whom were vulnerable due to their social situations. Eight children are listed as alleged victims. Many of the alleged incidents happened in the Lash Building, the football building on Penn State's campus. The incidents are alleged to have occurred both before and after Sandusky retired from Penn State in 1999. Sandusky, as part of his retirement agreement, had a key to that building and often used it after hours. The first victim was Second Mile Child, who said he was 12 or 13 in in 2007 when he began staying over at Sandusky's home. The inappropriate contact is alleged to have started with backcracking exercises that were bedtime rituals. Sandusky would get in bed with the victim, blow on his stomach, eventually kiss him and perform a sex act. This happened more than 20 times in 2007 and 2008 before the victim stopped taking Sandusky's calls.
3: So just to set the tone for this episode, here we have one of some of these cases, these tragedies uh, or or events that take place, it's pretty open and shut, right? I mean, like in this case, evidence is brought forward. You you have multiple instances where you have uh, eyewitnesses, okay, yes. and victims coming forward. So, you know, in some of our episodes. <laughs> Sandusky goes up on the board with a big old red line underneath him and a big old asterisk mark. Yeah, you can all like him.
4: pre-circle it too. <laughs> mm-hmm, it's going to be mm-hmm. hard to
3: take him off the board And uh, but what we're going to look at sort of more broadly is the system that sort of
1: allowed for this, right? Yeah, it's right. like a family tree of blame. Mm-hmm. Yes.
3: Yes. And maybe we should think, of, consider of throwing more than one person in jail. We rarely do that.
4: Mm-hmm. But right. in this case,
3: it's so vile. And, and it's
4: just a horrific thing to think about the fact that this man, you know, set himself up to have access to these vulnerable children who he could take advantage of mm-hmm. for so many years. So many years.
2: <sighs> yeah. It's it's so,
1: so I'm looking at the timeline, which you guys so graciously provided to me.
4: Yes. And that's a timeline that was from the Daily Collegian, which is an independent student newspaper at Penn State.
1: Yes. In 1971, the earliest alleged abuse is reported, according to Penn State's legal settlements with Sandusky's victims. Victim A said in 2016 CNN interview that in 1971, he was raped in a bathroom at Penn State. And that two people called him, two men called him on the phone and threatened him to stay quiet. Whew. Okay. So n- 71. And then, and 71. And then in 76, Paterno allegedly was alerted to Sandusky's abuse for the first time five years later, which I highly doubt. And then this is the craziest part of the timeline for me. 1977, a year after Paterno was alerted to his activities... The Second Mile Foundation was founded. Yeah, right. So, I hate to be a conspiracy theorist, but what it looks like to me is that Paterno said, "Not in my bathroom, not my kids. Get, get, you know, get out of the building." Right. And Hmm. you know, somebody's brainchild was, "Let's get some other kids in here."
4: Wow. Hmm. And then he brought them to the bathroom over Backward. and over it's, and over again it, it is it's just a horrific thing to think about this one's this is such a tough episode yeah. um, oh, i wouldn't what's say what's
2: tragic about it too is like you know this has it went on for so yeah. long yeah. it's like you how how did it go on unca- like things evolve you think people would get more bold in like recognizing abuse and decide like enough is enough but for it to go on for decades yeah this is pre me too like there's some enabling there's some like absolutely fear well, on your part to expose something that's that horrific i don't know what that psychology
1: there's is. Yeah, 20 I, years before it started getting reported 20 years of darkness and i highly doubt nothing was happening in that period
4: right well yeah Let, let's dig into that a little bit um Let's put Joe Paterno up on the board as well. Please. This is according to the Washington Post. In his grand jury testimony and in interviews before he died, Paterno repeatedly denied knowledge of the 1998 investigation. An email produced in later investigations, however, showed Tim Curley asked for an update on the 1998 case because, quote, Coach is anxious to hear where it stands. Curley testified, He was referring to Paterno, who was informed of the case in 1998. This is according to The Atlantic in 2001. Paterno was informed of another likely assault of a minor by his longtime friend and coach, Jerry Sandusky. Not only did he not go to the police, the Department of Public Welfare or the press, but he used his influence as football patriarch to dissuade the A.D. and university president from doing the same. Because no one informed the authorities, Sandusky was able to perform another sexual assault in the same Penn State shower complex five months later. And this is just one of them. In his last interview, given just a week before he died, Paternal told The Washington Post the following about the 2001 incident. Quote, I didn't know exactly how to handle it, and I was afraid to do something that might jeopardize what the university procedure was, he said. So I backed away and turned it over to some other people, people I thought would have a little more expertise than I did. It didn't work out that way. Joe Pa, as he was called, was more well-known, more beloved, and more powerful than anyone else at Penn State, even President Spanier. If he had told Curley that the authorities should be notified, the authorities would have been notified. Instead, Curley had a private conversation with him and then decided not to tell the Department of Public Welfare.
2: You
3: know, a couple things occur to me. Um, I don't know about you guys. First off, if you, if you know about any of these things and and clearly paterno knew about the 1998 case any subsequent event any subsequent um, sexual assault is on you right. like it's Absolutely. on you ju- just as much as it is on on the predator in my mind mm-hmm. you're you're mm-hmm. aiding and
1: abetting at that point
3: mm-hmm. Se- secondly i don't know how we how we put this but paterno himself then there's also this why are you reporting it to just within your university? I mean, a kid gets caught cheating in school or or plagiarizing or some, something like that sure. Like, yeah, okay, maybe take care of that within the university.
4: But But the, a crime?
3: A a, a crime <laughs> of sexual assault? I, I, and the victim is not even a
4: part of the university? That's That's a, a seems- that's a phone call to the police. That's a right. 911 right away
2: what seems gross to me here is that there's this element of like protect protecting the university or like an image or reputation over an actual individual which unfortunately seems to be the case with a lot of these kind of situations right. where it's like the victim is completely the afterthought and it's like oh what will this do to us versus what's happening to this person Poor right. individual who's being assaulted
1: this is where and i know that we have some sports fans in the group but this is where i want to put sports on the board
4: oh because sure.
1: there is i mean so there's this free i don't know how to pronounce it the the former fbi director who investigated the case i think for university uh uh, uh um, penn state um you know found Just like innumerable offenses on the part of the institution for failing, just like a gross failure of Mm -hmm. responsibility. Mm -hmm. There was a law passed in 1990 called the Clary Act, which demanded that any any whiff of any crime on a university campus had to be reported to legal authorities. Mm -hmm. They, They wantonly disregarded that that uh that law which was there um, uh, largely to protect vulnerable people you know w- women mm-hmm. and children and uh you know they just there that that pocket is a really tough pocket from 1998 to 2001 many allegations were happening janitors spotted them in the in the bathrooms mm-hmm. assisted there was an assistant coach that spotted Correct. them in the bathroom uh and all of these were just brushed off and the worst the, wor- the worst slap on the wrist sandusky ever got was that he needed to like improve his manners or something there's some language floating yes. around.
4: yes uh let me see if i can find it here because i also found that uh, particularly uh repulsive okay here we go well let's uh, as part of this let me read this excerpt f- and put the penn state officials up on the board this is uh, a okay. spanier Curley, and schultz
1: yes all up
4: all all up now this is according to penn live news assistant coach mike mcquery Said 10 days after reporting the incident to Joe Paterno, then athletic director Tim Curley summoned him to a meeting where he told Curley and Schultz what he'd seen. Quote, I told them I saw Jerry molesting a boy that what he was doing with a boy on a Friday night was over the line, he said. They said they would look into it and investigate it. They would take it seriously. Then, uh, this is according to ESPN, emails made public during the school's internal investigation show that Spanier, Schultz, and Curley discussed reporting the shower incident witnessed by McQuarrie to the proper authorities, but ultimately decided not to report it at all. In the emails, Curley wrote, quote, after giving it more thought and talking it over with Joe, we want to assist the individual, Sandusky, to get him professional help. Spanier replied, the only downside for us is if the message isn't heard and acted upon, then we become vulnerable for not having reported it. Instead of reporting the incident to law enforcement and child welfare agencies, Spanier, Schulten, Curley kept the matter in-house and enabled him to send to molest at least three boys uh, for another decade, which is probably more than that. So, I mean, what really jumps out to me is this excerpt uh, from this excerpt is, we wanted to assist the individual to get him professional help,
1: not the victim, right.
4: not the victim. Right. We're getting what there's no no mention of getting the, the victim any professional help.
1: And and this is, yeah, that there's some there's a point in the free report that he's he's I I, I really appreciate the free report because he's openly enraged throughout the very low, It's like a 267 page document and he's pissed off the whole time.
3: Sorry, Charlie. What's the free report?
1: So the free report is the the former FBI director was enlisted by Penn State to investigate just a you know oh, a third right. party investigation of all the all the happenings. Gotcha. And yeah, I mean it's just like the whole he he's just he's so pissed off the whole time, and it's he he blames a lot of things you know on the just the culture in general the cult the culture of reverence for the football program, which turns these men into gods and, Mm -hmm. and, and it's just this internal counsel where their word is above everyone's else, everyone else's. And they don't, they don't even need to consult with someone in a, in a horrifying legal situation. And it's part, and they, you know, they claim that it's, and, and they even say it, oh, this is what I was going to say about the free report that he, that you, you can feel throughout all their behavior. Um, their primary fear being a publicity problem. And that is, that is his theory is that everything, the main thing that's driving them is a fear of the story getting out and, you know, ruining their reputation rather than the kid, the victim. This is, this is what I was going to say before. The victim is uh, uh, not investigated. So the only person who knows the identity of this victim is Sandusky. Yeah. After he knows that the you know that he was spotted with the victim, the the victim is now dangerous to him, mm. and the, he he's just allowed to. God knows what happened to that poor kid after that. That
4: is just incredible. how he was terrorized.
1: Yeah, right.
2: I feel like there's a lot of stuff in there too to throw on the board in terms of like there's something unhealthy about this hierarchy. There's a power dynamic. Mm-hmm. I think Charlie, but you're saying like this kind of a godlike like stature that they all have because of their their wins yeah. you know like uh, that creates this weird perfect storm mm-hmm. of um it's just so insular you know yeah and why wouldn't one of them the fact that i forget who you said it was it was writing an email like we look bad if you know if we don't uh whatever he said Curly, yeah yeah He's acknowledging that he knows how messed up it is, but he's not going to immediately then just be like... Uh, exactly. You know, like, like, in his own mind, he's not like, wait a minute, what am I even saying? Yeah. This isn't
1: It's just a light, to to it's a light counterpoint in the context of the conversation. Like, it's not him putting his foot down, which, like, right. you would hope... That,
4: that was Spaniard, who was the university president,
1: right. I believe. Yeah. I mean, you would hope just somebody involved would go, come on, guys. We... Got... What are we doing? Like, right? Yeah, football. The game, we're still going to play the game. What, like, and that's and a the, good
4: point, Charlie. The fact that th- there were multiple people who were involved in in making that decision, and no one, not one of them, said, "Wait a minute, this is not yeah. that we can't do this."
1: And I'm sorry, there's no way that this that this case was not reported to the police in all those or any of the many anu- unknown cases were right. not reported to legal authorities. And I would bet you he has that, you know, he's, he's respected as a God in that town that is right. football. Right. So, uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if he has sway over the DA, if he has sway over the no whatever kidding. sheriff that's in charge of the town. No kidding. And their handshake deals, God, God knows well, what happens.
4: I mean, I, I was watching the, this, uh, documentary, uh, Happy Valley, which is on, uh, Ooh. it's a, it's about the, uh, this whole thing, the Whoa. whole case, and uh, they have a lot of footage of the crowds that came out in support of Paterno. Oh, there were riots. After, I mean, riots, and there there's footage, and and it's very upsetting to watch. Um, just the amount of people who supported him blindly. Yeah, didn't question. Didn't uh, there was a lack of care for the the victims who were also part of that same community mm-hmm. yeah. it's hard i found it very deeply disturbing yeah um so i, I want to put up on the board uh penn state football culture yes. and i guess what we were saying the, the kind of a glorification of paterno
1: that's easier than sports to a little cleaner than just sports in general i think mm-hmm. maybe right. that's too broad
3: We'll see when we get – no, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> well, I mean, there, I, right? I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll put there.
4: football up on the board. I don't care. I mean, the, it's just
3: interesting to think about, um, you know, the diff, the differences. I mean, I don't know. The football culture, college football culture is kind of even distinct from football right. uh, football yeah. in general, obviously. Like when you have these small towns yeah. uh, these, yeah. and they become these college towns, like you were saying, Charlie, like the head football coach – Out like first of all, not only is he making more money than any of your top officials, like go down the line, but they're probably like more powerful than the governor of whatever state it is. Exactly. They're gods. Like they're gods, exactly. And and that's um it it gets yeah, it gets
4: as a non football fan, like a non sports fan in general. Same same here, same. (laughs) (laughs) Um I I I have a hard time understanding that. And I get it. Like football is probably fun. Uh, I just went to my first football game last week, <laughs> just tailgate, and I I I had a good time. But the the intensity of which these fan and these weren't these weren't college football fans. These were you know I was a Rams uh, Bills game, and they were and it was intense. You know, I I, mm-hmm. I get the feeling that Rams fans were are, are, are a little bit more laid back. Maybe I don't know.
1: <laughs> That's <laughs> ironic. <laughs> They're two very heavily horned animals.
4: <laughs> I know Bill's That's fans are true. really intense, but whatever. It, it, the intensity that was in in that stadium, I found to be a little – yeah, that part of it was fun, but a big part of it was kind of scary to me.
1: Yes, I find it scary as well. I was in Boston for the 2007 World Series, and I was happened to live a couple blocks away from Fenway. I was doing a play wow. up there. At the Huntington Theater, um, and it was really wild to be there because the energy was so. It, it was really all around you in the air. Everyone was going crazy about it, and at the you know they 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 swept the ALCS. They went on. I knew I learned about baseball because it was so exciting. You know, <laughs> uh, I didn't didn't know anything, and then they went on to win the series, and they won. If I remember correctly, they won the series against the Rockies in Colorado. And there were, in Kenmore Square, I lived around the corner from Kenmore Square, there were riots in Kenmore Square, and the police Mm -hmm. on horses were prepared for riots either way. Mm -hmm. And from a distance, and not even that far of a distance, closer up, these people looked angry. (laughs) And they were, they won, they won. (laughs) And they were out of their minds.
4: Something you said while we were at the football game, Chris, you said this to me, and it's like, "This this is an outlet for a lot of people.
1: Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And
4: I was like, yes. These people need other outlets yes. as well. well. This can't be your only outlet. Well,
3: here's the thing, though. Like, <laughs> you think about you think about that movie, The Purge.
4: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a terrifying movie. Terrifying Love
3: it. movie. But like on one day of the year, you get to kill or to, like commit any crime you want. I do think that's like a pretty pretty good metaphor for sports where it's like I think a lot of people, they pen, they pen up a lot of anger like throughout their work days or their within their relationships. And like it all comes out like it all comes out through sport. And I think if done correctly and if you're able to, you know, have proper security measures in place and like channel your anger in the right way. I think sports is actually a good outlet. Um yeah. for, for or sports sure, fandom to a certain
4: extent. Sure, but like they w- also need a yoga class.
2: <laughs> I feel like the, the thing that it's like show poises- your ticket
4: to a yoga class. You can only go to a sports game if you've gone to a yoga yeah, class. Your COVID that card would be my your rule. Yoga card. <laughs> Dude,
2: yoga I think card, the thing yeah. that is like charging that atmosphere that I kind of taints it is like there's a real big level of like machismo or like yeah. that masculine kind of like. Misogyny, whatever you want to call yeah. it, like it's there. It's really intense, and I feel like it. Like you know, sometimes that negative energy can feed on each other, and like for for a game to go a certain way, and that results in people rioting in the streets, turning cars over, burning things down. Like that's a very specific environment, mm-hmm. which is part of the culture. Yes. and I don't know if I mean I don't know how that affects <sighs> these people's decisions to do or not do something because they're afraid of riling up the culture. Like it's, it's sick.
1: The, the, the thing that this reminds me, the machismo idea, what that's related to for me, and this is a critical component of this case is our culture's relationship with shame. Mm. Mm. Uh, So, and this, and shame is a big culprit in this, in this case, as far as I can see, because you have Sandusky, who's living a lie for his entire adult life. It, you know, the, the first allegation is a few years out of college for him. He is he is still a young man when the first allegation happens against him. I don't know how old the first victim was, but I imagine he was on the younger side. Uh it's also in the documents that Sandusky uh uh molested his own son.
4: Yes, his adopted um, son, yes. So we he can, came th- out and spoke about oh, that. Oh wow. Yes. So
1: I think that we can fairly assume that he comes from some legacy of abuse. possibly sexual abuse. And there is, you know, kind of an inherent, it's, it's, it's very likely and often happens in these cases. And it happens with serial killers too, that, you know, they had some nightmarish childhood where they were locked in a basement for extended periods of time or whatever. But like this, this kind of pain in him was hidden because of how our culture hides its shame this is this is a case of hiding shame. So he's hiding his shame, living in secret, and and you know all these awful acts are are coming out of the energy of him needing to hide this awful thing rather than getting treatment for it, talking to somebody about it. He hides it, and the the, the criminal acts keep stacking up. And likewise, the people in charge of him and the institutions that he is using to gather these children to abuse are uh are, I mean. The Second Mile Foundation was built for him like a machine. It was the timing of it is crazy. So like and, and I can I can sort of it's not empathy. I don't have a lot of empathy for these guys, but I can see Paterno feeling real shame about Sandusky having vouched for him.
4: Even a con- just being connected to him exactly, and and
1: he did. I mean, he's there because of Paterno. Paterno obviously bears a tremendous amount of responsibility for the existence of the second mile, among many other things. His his emeritus pass to the bathroom for years. All of it right. is coming from Paterno and his lackeys.
4: Now. Yes, go on, Clayton. Because no, not- I'm
2: just so you. There's an element of him protecting his own legacy or, or image. There, you think? Yeah, yes,
1: that? and that is also a thing. But what what I'm talking about is like how the shame, how he is also feeling shame, and kind of like I can sort of imagine him feeling a sort of like brotherly affection towards Sandusky mm-hmm. and wanting to protect him over Mm -hmm. his victims, which is so demented in my eyes. But I can kind of see the humanity in it that he is, he's not necessarily, you know, he's not like a monstrous person trying to do evil, but he has chosen, he's backed the wrong horse, you know, he's picked, he's picked the perpetrator over the victims. Now, uh,
4: something I, I, uh, sorry to cut you off. Something I found interesting in the documentary, Charlie, was that someone said that it seemed like paternal didn't even like Sandusky from the beginning that they mm. weren't, they didn't even really click. Mm. Um, and, but there, uh, I, I guess they had started winning as a football team at that point. And there's something about, and, and you, you, Chris, uh, who's a sports fan can maybe speak to this a little bit better, but the, um, idea, it's almost like, a. God what's the word? It's like a bad luck thing if you s- switch things up. Um Oh, yeah, a-
1: superstitious. Like it's like a
4: super si- you know that that if if he were to have um fired him or changed the the coaching that that would have messed with the hmm. the winning streak or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's wild. That's yeah. why which
1: is much darker, I think, cuz it's it's so like cold.
4: It's more about football. It's stats, it really makes yeah. it more right. about football. <laughs> I mean,
3: I think what's more at play than fear of superstition is just if this gets out. I mean, I I, I well, just the, think the
4: publicity. You mean, yeah.
2: yeah I mean, and that's, like shame, that's, that's shame. That's
4: shame too. That's too- have we put shame up on the board? <laughs> Shame's on the board. Okay, a culture Shame's of on shame. There. You,
2: <laughs> and then, do you want like pu- like the bad publicity? Is that do you want that up there too? Uh, Fuck, fear I mean, of, pu-
4: of bad publicity. The fear of bad publicity. I mean,
3: yeah. That's that's a driving force for sure like driving Mm -hmm. the cover-up i mean it's money as well and um you know the the organization i mean yeah that that's sadly like Mm -hmm. pretty firmly um one of the reasons why they have so much to lose um with this organ this success of this organization and the
4: um i kind of want to read this we're, we're taking a few steps back here but i think it's important to to point out um This is according to the New York Times. After top Penn State officials announced that they had fired Joe Paterno on Wednesday night, thousands of students stormed the downtown area to display their anger and frustration, chanting the former coach's name, tearing down light poles and overturning a television news van parked Mm. along College Avenue. When the crowd took to the downtown streets, its anger and intensity swelled. Students shouted, we are Penn State one student walked arm in arm with a friend crying quote I'm here because I just need to be the rest of my be with the rest of my school right now she said this is devastating for us yeah. Scientific American said as the writers vented their rage and grief commentators and bloggers around the world began lambasting the students for defending a man who knew about an alleged horrific case of child abuse and did very little to try and stop it most of the Penn State students who rioted Wednesday night have social identities that are built around a lifelong allegiance to the school mm. if you attend penn state psychologist adam galinsky explains quote penn state is you it's part of you yeah. it's such an important thing yeah. and nothing symbolizes penn state more than joe paternal head football coach for 46 years yeah
1: so it really is like a, it's a religious fervor that that mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is manifested but then and then oh man and this reminds me of another thing which is we are in a culture that um, as of 20 years ago, when this case first started, you know, coming to real light in the, in the early 2000s, this is pre-Me Too. We did mm-hmm. not – systemically, we did not believe victims. So, right. And that is – and I would argue that that is another uh, manifestation of our shame, of our culture, of our culture's relationship with shame, that we would rather believe that the God is unshakable – Then believe that they, you know, had sinned in in any way. Mm -hmm. You know what? This reminds me of Woody Allen. Like I remember coming to his defense when when the Mm -hmm. allegations first started coming out. It makes me sick, but I remember it, and I think it's related to that. That's the closest thing, Rebecca. I don't I don't like sports, but I like movies a lot. You know, Mm -hmm. that's that's the closest thing I have to kind of like a you know a spiritual fervor. And when a god like that is is you know put on the stand, I, I. I cross my arms for sure, you know, and that's that's changed a lot in the past few right. years. I think I definitely have, and I think culture, in a lot of ways, has, and it's one of the reasons that um, I can have optimism in this world because mm-hmm.
2: I was thinking the same thing too, and I want to put that on board on the board. Is it just not believing victims, or is there a better way that we can phrase? Like, is there a reluctance, or like, um,
4: like a reluctance I- to shatter our um, idols? Like, it's something about. Yeah. Our idols and those don't work want in concert
1: believe. it's both too because like it's we don't we do we yeah. don't want to believe the victim and we do want to believe the hero or god or whatever
2: i feel like we could both We're like, yes we, i want I I to include the distinct. victims
3: yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, you know i mean absolutely it's it's almost a dehumanization of the victim right where it's like we, okay or, or, sure. or a or a what, what is that term where you uh consciously uh
4: like a disassociation yes
3: exactly like you it's a Conscious removal of yeah. the. Of the mm. Yeah.
1: And I think that's a shame thing. You know, we don't want, it's very hard for us in our culture to admit that, uh, that something is wrong, you know, but we're so kind of into the stability of the status quo when something so unshakable looks like it's, you know, losing its foundation. It's really scary. And yeah, for Rebecca to your point that like, this is a, this is a, a really passionate culture of reverence for this man. And all of his and all of his associates.
3: And I think that for me, the most interesting part of that of that uh, Scientific America uh, um, poll quote there was that uh, there was the phrase: uh, "These most of the Penn State students who ride it have social identities mm. built around lifelong right. allegiance to the school." So to me, that's key, right? Yeah, Where
2: I put blind allegiance on the board. Ooh, that's oh, that's nice. good. That's so nice to me. Too. I like
4: that.
3: Yeah, there's blind allegiance. I wonder if there's something more though, in terms of like identify identity. Like when you feel sure. like when your when when some other person it like, and this this relates to sports too. Like if your if your team uh, or if somebody on your team lets you down in some way, you you feel like. Your, uh, you identify with them so deeply that you're willing to sort of be loyal. It's like being loyal to people who you've never met before. It's yeah. so weird. Which is like so strange. I, or who are I mean, I'm sure some alive. Of these students, like, I mean, I'm sure some of those students know this guy, knew him or whatever, but the majority of them, I'm sure, he's just like a figurehead. So, I mean, to not to be able to dis to not be able to distinguish yourself from that person and their faults, uh, to me seems like a a big blind spot for like human mm-hmm. human behavior. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think
2: it's. I feel like kind of goes back to what Charlie was saying too about the paternal Sandusky relationship to in our own, like. There is our own shame in realizing that we were supporting that, yes, or that, yes. it, or how to separate yourself from like what turns out to be a monster in disguise. Yeah. That it's like almost like you're somehow responsible, right? And like how could you yeah. have done that? So it's easier just to kind of deny that. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, he had to, a, he
1: had a, p- a bad picker out of the gate, and then he backed mm-hmm. his bad pick right. for, for generations, literally generations yeah. of kids. Yeah.
4: Something because it it just makes you that kind of stuff makes you look inward. Right. And boy, we don't want to go there. (laughs) I I, the last thing I want to put up on the board is Penn State's poor leadership. Uh, This is according to the Daily Collegian. T.J. Bard, Penn State student in 2001, uh, 2011, wrote There wasn't a whole lot of guidance at the time from the university or university officials. From the student body perspective, a lot of students, a lot of the alumni as well, they felt like there wasn't anyone out there explaining the university's perspective of who we were as Penn Staters. The university's leaders continued its policy of no communication for weeks, Bard said including with him and other student leaders. As he and other student leaders attempted to contact members of the administration, they were met with radio silence. No matter how we feel, no matter how upset we are, pales in comparison to what the survivors have gone through, Bart said. It was important that the student body embody the, that message to the world because it felt like the, that got lost in a lot of what people were talking about. They were talking about the football program, the university itself, but they were forgetting about the survivors.
1: They're heroes uh, they're they're heroes to to come forward under those circumstances is nothing imagine. short of heroic
2: mm-hmm.
4: so i I think we've got a good board. um Why don't we take a quick break and we'll start knocking things off the board?
2: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?
3: Okay, who's to blame for Penn State's Jerry Sandusky scandal? Is it Jerry Sandusky, Joe Paterno, sports, Penn State officials, godlike image of Sandusky slash Paterno, Penn State football culture, culture of shame, fear of bad publicity, blind allegiance, dehumanization of the victim or reluctance to believe the victim, blind faith to our idols or Penn state's poor leadership. Got a lot of concepts that mm-hmm. I feel like can overlap here, but at the end of the day, I think we know we all know where we're going. Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like we can put us, uh, we can fold sports into the uh, Penn state's football culture. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like the fear of bad publicity could, fold into the culture of shame like charlie was suggesting earlier
1: yeah that's interesting
3: yeah that's that that's that's about right right um culture of shame
4: the blind allegiance i feel like it, it 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 goes to the uh football culture right
1: Yes. Right. I yeah, think, but not necessarily. You know, but yeah, I mean, in this well, let, case, well, let in this no, instance, but it's it's
3: a really p- important good point, though. Actually, if you like deadlift out like the football team from mm-hmm. Penn State University, right? <laughs> I think the total the <laughs> dynamic shifts completely. Right.
4: Yeah. It's like then, what are they fighting for, or well, what are well, they?
3: Well, like let's say Paterno uh, and Sandusky were like like in the physics department, right? Like nobody's gonna like cover up. there There's yeah. not. There, it, I mean, the money, right, yeah. It's going to be hu- a huge sure. difference in the money. Yep. and yep. I, But I also think like it is the, the fact that football was a part of it and football is just a huge, like you were saying, the, the population balloons up to like 23, 230,000 on football Saturday or whatever right. it is. Like you got to think that, I mean, football is just a huge part of it. Sports is a huge <sighs> part of it. So. I don't know what, why I was
4: ranting. Well, I think that I in that case, it does go. The blind allegiance does fold into the football culture.
1: I agree. Yes. I, I agree that that shows that it is a critical component. But I also think that there's there's a, there are a lot of cases that show that it isn't the only way that this kind of problem, this kind of systemic yeah, nightmare sure. can happen. Like Tyndall is a great example at, at USC. You know, this is a gynecologist who uh, abused. Oh,
4: right. Uh, oh, right. For, uh, for mm.
1: God knows hundreds uh, of young women. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and often with supervision, you know, he's in he's in a room. Uh, there's a nurse behind a curtain right in the same room right. and wow. he's doing, uh, you know, awful things over and over and over. But so, yeah, so I just mean like the, the systemic thing is it, uh, kind of above that. You know, and then you have a sports systemic problem, and a, you know, I guess that's a, true. Do, a yeah. doctorly thing. And I agree, the no. physics department wouldn't stand a chance in the, in no. the situation; <laughs> it would not hold up. Uh, but, but um, I mean, yeah, doctors, you know, do- it's power. You know, it's power. like mm-hmm. doctors and and you know, just gods of uh in authority.
4: Yeah, blind like to faith me, to bl- our idols. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's suddenly that's nice. I, I like that. Yeah, I, I think we can uh, – the reluctance to believe, I feel, uh, the victims folds into our culture of shame as well, right? Mm-hmm, 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 hmm
2: A lot of this just really speaks to, at least in my mind, when you're talking about the shame or talking about like blind allegiance or blind faith, it just seems like there's such a reluctance reluctance. Uh, For us individually to like turn inward and just like admit that we could have been wrong, yeah, you know, like it's so hard for us to be wrong, yes, on something that like we'll do these intellect intellectual mind backflips,
1: yes. I call I call that
2: protect ourselves and not, you know, the victim or the scenario. Yes, I just really
1: fast. I'd call that shame too. It's a it's sort of like a a more minor instance of shame, but it's it's really hard for us, yeah, to admit wrong.
4: That's got to change. We, mm-hmm. we got to be okay with being wrong, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> We're wrong all the time here on the <laughs> show. Our suck. <laughs> <ourselves>. uh, yeah. <laughs> they let us know. Tell yeah.
4: us we are. Yeah. Um, well,
3: it's funny. <laughs> there was some TikTok I saw yesterday that was like, anytime you say you get something wrong, you say, I'm stupid. Oh man, I'm stupid. You just got smarter. But the, the irony is that you just got smarter. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. right. That's
4: funny. <laughs> now. Okay. So uh, the, uh, I, I feel like the godlike image of uh, Paterno, right? That, that folds into blind faith of our idols, right? To our idols. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I also, I, I, I think we can take Penn State's poor leadership off because I think this is relating to the aftermath a little bit. Okay,
1: I don't. More... It. I. I would like to disagree, just purely, okay. like in a yeah. more general way. I've res- respectfully, of course, you override my opinion. No. <laughs> uh, spe- speaking of speaking of idols, uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna challenge you. But um, I do think that, like in in you know systemic institutional failure mm-hmm. is something that is re- really oh, run rampant in our culture. So having that on the board is is important to I me. I feel like so.
2: they are deserving. The, I mean, depending on what we get down to, I could really see Penn State's leadership getting a big slap. Like, it seems like they deserve some kind of... Yes. Yeah, so, so they did, uh, I guess what job. my
4: thinking was to state the people who were directly involved in the um, in the cover-up.
2: Mm. Uh, uh, uh.
4: But I I understand, I you know, this isn't something that suddenly happens where it's like oh this new leadership didn't work it it feels like this was a pattern
1: exactly was part of
4: the university leadership that that allowed this kind of thing to happen
1: yes and surely there were more minor players for example the head janitor who the janitor that saw an incident reported that to and the janitor was like nah we're gonna get in trouble don't say anything
2: right right
1: it happens on all levels it's
4: it's everywhere um, okay, so we've got we've got a big decision here. Uh, we've got Sandusky still up on the board, obviously, Paterno. We've got the other Penn State officials, Spanier, Curly, Schultz, Penn State football culture, uh, culture of shame, just shame, blind faith to our idols, and uh, Penn State's poor leadership. I think we can fold blind faith to our idols into um, uh, the, the football culture
2: yeah for this we're one to these guys themselves and i think I mean, the charlie's
3: point is that i think charlie's point is a good one which is that it's bigger it kind of like he kind of is right like it's bigger than football
4: it's fi- mm-hmm. it's bigger than football I it's I-
3: idols in general yeah. or trust any kind of trusted
4: but, so do, so then we I, take penn state football culture out
1: i could see i could see folding sports and penn state football culture into blind faith of our idols i see
4: okay right. i like that i like that I think that's good. And wow.
2: Sorry, say that again. We're folding Penn State's football culture and what? Sports, p- which sports is already. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah okay. into blind
4: faith of our idols. Okay. Um,
2: I just
3: feel like these officials, that, that, that cover-up that's in place is just an atrocity. And mm-hmm. I would I'd maybe roll Paterno into the Penn State officials, Spanier, yeah. Curley, and Schultz. I mean, these are all people okay. who mm-hmm. are in leadership sure. positions and abreast of what's going on and failed. Right. I mean, yes. Yeah, speaking, speaking of the Capital family tree F.
1: of blame, like he's at the top of the family tree of blame, but it's a big tree and the whole tree is um, so rotting. I, right. I mean, right. what are Rotten. we going to
4: do? I mean, we have, we are obviously going to send Jerry Sandusky to the alarmist jail, right? 100%. 100% are going to. The question is, do we also send these Penn state officials yeah. to the alarmist jail or do we give them the big slap and or send them to the alarmist jail and slap. I, I'm going towards culture of shame, slapping shame.
2: I feel like we can send both the officials and Sandusky to the jail. Yeah. I think we can slap something and we can even do the finger wag here because there's a <laughs> lot of dysfunction. <laughs> lot like of we the pull the out all the stops. we pull this. out the, all the stops.
1: You know okay. Yeah. Okay.
4: I have a great. Okay. So sure, yeah, go, go on, ahead, Charlie. Go on.
1: Well, what if we, what if we, as a kind of lesson to um, the leadership and Sandusky. What if we put them in jail with the culture of shame? Gave them an opportunity to sort of you know, mull that over for Friday. Oh, you want
4: them to bunk together. Mm, yeah.
1: Why not why not put shame Oof. in there with them, let them face it face to face, like a you know, like a really yeah. terrifying cellmate. Shame
4: is not a fun roommate, let no, me tell you that. No.
3: We have and just to let you know, this is uh, the the alarmist jail focuses on rehabilitation as opposed to punishment. So we have programs Oh yes, exactly I believe those are one of the same. A, about addressing <laughs> jail. I see. Shame is already programs. Part of program. It's already part of I part of our broader education. Yeah, uh, that's that we, put these, yes, mm-hmm. that we put these. Yes, we put these.
4: Okay, what do we do? So I, I say we 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 send Sandusky to jail. Um, that and uh, the Penn State officials as well. Um, and we slap a culture of faint, of shame. It, mm-hmm. Although I did like that idea of sending shame to the alarmist jail, but I, I was thinking we slap shame and we finger, we give the finger wag to blind faith to our idols. Cause
1: that's we, nice. That
4: feels nice. There, right. is,
3: there is. Yes. That, that, and that sort of that, that's extends out to ourselves and the alarmy be, and beyond yes,
4: be aware
3: because we have, there's no reason to tie your identity with these idols who they're just people. When at the end yeah. of the day, everyone's just a person.
4: Uh-huh, mm-hmm. uh-huh.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Okay, I'm going to call it. Blind Faith to Our Idols. You're getting the finger wag.
3: Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
4: Culture of Shame. You're getting the big slap. Jerry Sandusky and the Penn State officials, Paternos, Manier, Curly, and Schultz, you're going to the alarmist jail.
1: Yeah, get it. Wow.
4: That was... It, it, this is a hard, hard episode. And Charlie, thank you for joining us today and helping us get to the bottom of who's to blame.
1: You're so very welcome. It is my absolute pleasure to be here, um, you know, uh, circumstances aside.
4: Mm-hmm. 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 Well, we'll have to have you back, uh, maybe a, a lighter episode.
1: Like, uh, yes, yeah, some kind of like explosion or something.
4: <laughs> yeah, sure. That's lighter for you. Okay. <laughs>
3: Not lighter fluid. Not like right. lighter. Like a, a lighter fluid
4: in the aftermath, in 2017, Gary Schultz and Tim Curley pleaded guilty to misdemeanor child endangerment. Curley was sentenced to three months and Schultz served a two-month jail sentence. They shared a jail cell Graham Spanier was convicted of one misdemeanor count of child endangerment and sentenced to serve two months in jail. In 2012, Jerry Sandusky was convicted of the sexual abuse of 10 boys. He is serving a 30-year minimum sentence at Laurel Highlands State Prison in Southwest Pennsylvania. He maintains his innocence. Visit our website and let us know who you think is to blame at www.thealarmistpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at The Alarmist Podcast and on Twitter at Alarmist The. You can also send us your thoughts via email to thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode was produced and engineered by Clayton Early with fact-checking by Chris Smith and editing by Molly Hockey. Thank you to our associate producer and researcher, Alex Paul. The Alarmist is executive produced by Rebecca Delgado-Smith and the Erios Network. Tune in next week. We'll be discussing the Cincinnati Zoo toddler gorilla incident.
0: ERIOs. Powered by ACAS. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince.